finish up chapter 15 first, and then we'll get started in chapter 16 and see how far we can get. We'll be reading verses uh, 5 through 8 of Revelation 15. We've entitled this, The Temple of the Tabernacle of the Testimony in Heaven. We'll find out what that is. We'll start with verse 5. After that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple. That's very significant that the temple was opened and the angels came out. Out of the temple. Having the seven plagues clothed in pure white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke, with smoke from the glory of God, and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, in these last four verses of this chapter, we will learn the meaning of the word opened. And in doing so, we'll see, find that there is a, there's an open heaven. When there's an open heaven, there's an exponential increase in our understanding of spiritual or heavenly matters. You know, we read that the heavens were opened when Christ was baptized. And uh, we, we, we've read that the heavens were opened in chapter 4 of Revelation. Both cases, great new revelation was given. Just an exponential growth and understanding took place at that point. We'll also learn that clo- what clothing in Scripture means, and what it alludes to, and that it does allude to our way of life, and that that can be a life of obedience to God and love of righteousness of Christ, and it can be, or it can be a life of rebellion against God and His doctrines and hatred and rebellion against the doctrines of Christ and His Father. Two different lifestyles. That's what clothing has to do with. Now we'll also discover that there's a very strong connection between the four beasts which are said to be in and around the throne of God and the seven angels of this revelation of Jesus Christ. Very strong connection, as you will see. Finally, we'll be reminded of the meaning of the word glory as it relates to the glory of God and we'll be reminded why we're told that no man is able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels are fulfilled. Now let's read verse 5 again. After that I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. The tabernacle of the testimony is mentioned three times in the Old Testament in, King, in the King James Version and it's always... It always refers to what's far more commonly called the tabernacle of the congregation. It's the same thing, which is just that tent that Moses uh, was told to make and carry around with him in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and for that matter, all the way up till King Solomon. Let's read these three verses real quickly and see what we can glean about the tabernacle uh, of the testimony. Exodus 38, verses, verse 21. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even the tabernacle of testimony, as it was, as it was counted according to the commandment of uh, Moses. It's just given the list of everything that was involved in the making of that tabernacle there in Exodus 38. According to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites by the 
and of uh, Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. Numbers, Numbers 1, verse 50. Uh, but you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of testimony and over all the vessels thereof and over all the things that belong to it. They, sh- they shall bear the tabernacles. Talking about the Levites, not the sons of Aaron. They are Levites, but they are sons of Aaron. They are the priests. This is not the priest. They shall bear the vessels thereof and all the things uh, that belong to it. They shall bear the tabernacle and all the vessels thereof. They shall minister to it and shall encamp round about the tabernacle. <clears throat> now Numbers 1 verse 53. But the Levites shall pitch round about the tabernacle of testimony that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel and the Levites shall keep the charge of the tabernacle of testimony. Now here is one example of the far more common phrase the tabernacle of the congregation. Now this, this that's three times this other one is in there uh, seems like it was 80 something times so that's that will give you some idea as to how how common the, the two are. But this is just one of the 80. Exodus 27, 80 plus. I can't remember the exact number. Exodus 27, verse 21. In the tabernacle of the congregation, without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall order it from evening and morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever unto uh, unto their generations on the behalf of the children of Israel. Now, Aaron and his sons, as Bible speak, for God's elect who have an altar whereof they that serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. You ate at the altar, but the brazen altar was for the people and for the Levites that were not the sons of Aaron. That's where they ate what they brought to the altar. Aaron and his sons washed in the sea, you know, we we went over that last week, the big sea, the, the, the molten sea between the brazen altar in the tabernacle only the priests washed in that sea that's how we know who that is standing on that sea of glass mingled with fire here in Hebrews 13.10 we have the plain statement we, those who are Christ who are priests and kings in Christ, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle the Levites the world the church world. They serve the tabernacle, but they have no right to eat the things that we eat. The truths that we see. The understanding that we have. It's the stark contrast between the Levites, who are the priests, the sons of Aaron, as opposed to the Levites, who are not priests, but who are commanded to keep the charge of the tabernacle, which demonstrates the spiritual meaning of many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew twenty two fourteen says that very thing. Many are called, few are chosen. Only the priests, the sons of Aaron, are able to enter into the tabernacle to do ser- to do service within the veil of the tabernacle. Numbers eighteen verse one. The Lord said to Aaron, "You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. The sanctuary is not the court. It's it's the what's within the veil." And you and your sons with you, this is Numbers 18, verse 1, but we're going to read down to verse 7. You and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood, 
and your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, bring you with you, that they may be joined unto you and minister to you. But you and your sons with you shall minister before the tabernacle of witness. There, there's that tabernacle of witness again. And they shall keep the charge, your charge, and, and the charge of the tabernacle. Only they shall not come near the vessels of the sanctuary of the altar, neither they nor you all that neither they nor you also die. So it, it's a matter of life and death that these Levites do not handle the things of the Spirit, the things of the uh, priesthood. And they shall be joined to you and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation for all the service of the tabernacle and a stranger shall not come near unto you. And you shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar. That's the golden altar within the sanctuary. That there be no wrath anymore upon the children of Israel. And I... I have taken your brothers the Levites from among the children of Israel to you. They are given as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. They wait on us. And that's literally what they do. Christianity, all of Christianity, brings billions of people to Christ. Out of those billions of people, God sends a few to us. And he told Peter, he said, Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, if you love me. So that's what we're called. We're not called to go out and do what Babylon is doing and bring billions of people to Christ. That's not our calling. Christ said, I pray not for the world, but for those that you've given me out of the church world. He called unto him his disciples, and out of them he chose twelve. Those twelve are the foundation of the body of Christ. <clears throat> okay, where did I get to here? I have taken your brothers, Levites, from among the children of Israel, verse 6 of Numbers 18, and given them as a gift for the Lord to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore you and your sons with you shall keep the priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil. That's the difference. And you shall serve. I have given you, I have given your priest's office to you as a service of gift. A service of gift. It's a gift for us to serve the Lord. And if you don't look at it that way, pray about your attitude. You have been given a gift. And that gift is to serve and feed the body of Christ. And you should jump at every opportunity to do so. And the stranger that comes near the, within the tabernacle shall be put to death. We do not allow we don't allow heretics in our midst. We don't allow it. You and your sons is biblical symbolism for Christ our high priest and his elect. So when we read the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open, what we're being told is that it's now being shown to us what Christ is doing in his temple to prepare it for his permanent residence. That's what we're about to that's the subject we're about to take up here. It's only given to Christ's elect as a service of gift 
to minister within the veil of the tabernacle. That is why these seven angels who have the seven vials or the bowls which fill up the wrath of God, they fill it up. It's, this isn't the only wrath of God, as we're going to see clearly. This just fills it up, gets the job done. That's why these seven angels who have the seven vials that fill up the wrath of God are said to come out of the temple. They come out of the temple. Let's read verse 6. The seven angels came out of the temple. This is Revelation 15, 6. Having the seven plagues clothed with pure, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. The Levites who are not the sons of Aaron are not even so much as to touch the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar. If the priest permitted that to happen, it would cost the life of the priest, of the Levite who was not the son of Aaron, and the priest who permit, permitted it. The fact that these seven angels come out of the temple tells us that these angels are symbols of those who are given the service of the priest. These seven angels are symbols of the sons of Aaron, Christ's elect. That's what they symbolize. They alone are given the priesthood as a service of gift to minister before God with the veil within the veil of the temple. Numbers 18.3 again. And they, the Levites, who are not the sons of Aaron shall keep the charge and the charge of the tabernacle, only they shall not come near the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar, that neither they nor you also die. What these verses of Numbers 18 tell us is that only the chosen elect of Christ are given to handle the word and doctrines of God, which are symbolized by the vessels of the sanctuary. The truth in the hands of anyone else becomes a curse upon them. They, they can't cope with it. It torments them. They, 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 they ridicule it. They don't know they're tormented by it. They think that you're the one that's off the deep end. But still it comes back to torment them. Now let's just read about an example of that, that happening once and we'll, we'll get the feel for what's being said. This is uh, in 1 Samuel 5. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. The Philistines took the Ark of God. This is right at the time when Eli is uh, about to die, him and his sons. The Philistines and Israel are going at it again. The Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer under Ashdod. When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they, uh, they of Ashdod arose early in the, on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Dagon was just bowing down, his little stiff statue just lying there on his face before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. And when they rose early on the morrow, morning, behold, Dagon was fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of it, Dagon, was left to him. That's a little humorous, I think, but anyway. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon, nor any that come into Dagon's house, tread on the uh, threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeroids. That's an old English word for, for uh, hemorrhoids even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod 
saw that it was so, they said, the ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us. That's kind of like saying, you go up the mountain. You talk to the Lord and, and, and then we'll listen to you. But we're not going to go up there because we just might die. You know, the very thing we need to do isn't what we're not willing to do. Now, the ark of the Lord shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. Yes, the word of God is sore upon all the things we do that we ought not be doing. That's our God. That's our idol. We want to see and believe the things that we want to see and believe and do. Because our belief is our doing. What we believe is what we do. As we've seen earlier, the fine linen... Well, let me read uh, the question here. What does... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I need to mention. We saw last week's study that it's the priests and the priests only who are ever to be cleansed in the molten sea between the brazen and the temple. It's upon the sea, which is between the altar and the temple, that the uh, sea of glass, we see these people who stand upon the sea of glass. And those are God's elect who overcome the mark, the name, the number, and the image of the beast and, and, and stand with golden harps singing the victorious uh, song of Moses. But what does clothed in pure and white linen and having uh, their breasts girded with golden girdles mean? What's, what's the significance of that? Well, as we saw earlier, the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. That's Revelation 19.8. To her, Christ's bride, his elect, was granted that she, now she is us, she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Again, Again, it's affirmed to us that these seven angels are Christ's own bride who are clothed in pure and white linen. That's, that's, that's what we're being told if we, have, if we can receive it and if we can understand it. Now, what does the golden girdle signify? Well, the same thing. It's all the same thing. It signifies Christ and those who are in him. Revelation 1.13 In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. That's Christ. Now here's what we're told of those who are Christ's at this time. Herein is our First uh, John four seventeen. Herein is our love made perfect, that we have, may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. In our study of chapter sixteen, we're going to see that these seven angels identify themselves as God's own elect. Our fellow servants and of those that keep the sayings of this prophecy. Because of Christ's offices are so many and it takes many types and shadows and symbols. And they're employed both to help and to hide them at the same time and reveal all those various offices. As he is, so are we in this world. If Christ is girded with a golden girdle and we're in him, then we too are girded with a golden girdles. Now let's look at verse 7. One of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Many symbols, as I said, are employed to reveal all the various offices we as Christ's Christ must fulfill. Here in chapter 15 and 16, we're called seven angels. But here in verse 7, we're called one of the four beasts. Now, in our study of chapter 5, we saw how these four beasts... Tell us who they too are. 
We saw how these four beasts are symbols of those who are redeemed from among men who will rule on earth. How can one of the four beasts, as symbols of God's elect, be giving seven vials to another symbol of God's elect? You know, that, that makes no sense to the natural man, and yet both of these symbols tell us that they are us. They tell us that. So how are we going to understand that? Well, that's no more of a mystery than asking how God's elect, who are the temple of God, can become the seven angels who come out of the temple of God. That apparent mystery is explained in these words. Now, you want to know how these things can be spoken of as being giving things to each other, being in each other, and still be the same thing? Here's how you understand it. John 14, verse 20. At that day, and that's the very day we're talking about here, you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Christ is in us, but we're in Him. He's the temple we're in, we're the temple He's in. Big mystery. But it's solved with that verse, if it's given to you to understand it, and to accept it. Ye in me, and I in you. The spirit world is far more fluid than the physical world. At that day is the very day we're studying. It's the great day of God's wrath mentioned in Revelation 6.17 when the mystery of God should be finished within us. That mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You in me, I in you. Now look at Revelation 10.7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared to his servants the prophets in the days of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound. That's what we're studying here in chapters 15 and 16. Even the mystery which has been hid from the ages this is the mystery of God referred to there in 10.7 which we're studying. This is it. We're studying This is it right here. The mystery which has been hid from the ages and from generations but now is made manifest to his saints. This is not made manifest to others. It's a mystery to them. They can't understand how these angels can be in the temple and be the temple. How Christ can be in us and, and at the same time say, He is us. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. Is He in us or is He us? He's both. Are we in the temple or are we the temple? We're both. Is Christ the temple? Or is He Christ? He is both. We're in Him. It's not made manifest to just anyone. It's only made manifest to His saints. If Christ is in us, we are as He is in this world. Well, where is Christ in this world? He's in all of us. He's in me here. He's in Eileen and Sandy here. He's in Bobby down in Trinidad. And He's in all of you. It's the same Christ. Great mystery. Christ in you. A hope of glory. And that is why this is called great and marvelous, the pouring out of these vials upon our heavens, I mean our earth and our sea. Okay. <clears throat> if Christ is in us and we're as he is in this world, then these golden girdles on these seven angels tie us inexorably to Christ. Because as we will see later, these seven angels tell us they are the symbols of us. That's Revelation 19, 10, 22, verses 8 and 9. They just tell us that. 
not going to cover it right now. We'll get to it later, just a little bit later. It is Christ in us, giving us these vials, and pouring out the wrath of God upon our sins. False doctrines and rebellions all within us. Verse 8. The temple was fulfilled of the smoke from the glory of God and from His power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seventh plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. We've covered this verse thoroughly as we've dealt with in the, as we dealt with the first four verses of this chapter. The glory of God is not just a bright glow. The glory of God is the bright light that His fiery words and doctrines which fly in the face of everything that appeals to our flesh. That's the glory of God. It's what doesn't appeal to our flesh. The smoke from the uh, glory is the byproduct of burning up all that wood, hay, and stubble that is the false doctrines and pulls of our flesh which dominate our lives till the seven plagues of the seven angels is fulfilled in us. What we must see is that no man was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. And that's especially addressed to you and me. That's what we have to see. This isn't addressed to the world. It's only to the saints. We will now see how this is made to apply to us in the pouring out of these plagues of these seven angels within us in chapter 16. So now, let's begin chapter 16. See how far we can get in this. Verse 1 through 3. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Verse 2. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And, the, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul in the sea died. Now there's the first two, two plagues that are poured out. Let's, let's, let's read that again. I heard a great voice out of the temple, uh, yeah, out of the temple, saying to the seven angels, "Go your way and pour your vials of the wrath of God upon the earth." They're poured out upon the earth in this this particular vial. Uh, and then, this, of course, the second one is poured out upon the sea. Now. This and the next several studies that we're going to be doing here in chapter 16 will be a powerful demonstration of the is, was, and will be fluid character of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, as it relates to the seven seals of the seven trumpets. You know, Christ said, the words I speak to you are spirit. Uh, as it relates to the seven seals, the seven trumpets of the seven angels, and the seven angels of the seven last plagues which fill up the wrath of God. In each case, we'll see that the number seven signifies completing rather than a certain order of events. It's not one and then two and then three. It's just seven as a whole. And that's the significance of the word. Uh, when we forget that fact, that the truth of the meaning of the, the, the spiritual significance of the number seven, we're going to inevitably turn into dispensationalists who will ask, where am I in this process? And how much further do I have to go? Instead of realizing that no one is ever perfected before the third day. And that again has nothing to do with the number three itself, but rather has to do with the process of judgment signified by that number. 
In the next few studies, we'll see that the seven last plagues of these vials or bowls are actually part of the seven seals upon this book. Inasmuch, yeah, that's right, the seven plagues are part of the seven seals. Those seven seals are not opened until the last plague is done. That's just the, the, the logical, obvious truth of the matter. Because the seventh seal is the seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet is the seven plagues. So the, 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 the book isn't opened until this is done. And I hope you get the message there. That's, that's very significant that you understand that. The book isn't opened until you have fulfilled these plagues. And those who say they're not going to fulfill them and have no part in them, they're going to be raptured away or taken to a place of safety or, or somehow, for some reason, escape the wrath of God in their lives, will certainly drink of that cup. And the fact that they say they aren't is just judging them out of their own mouth and placing themselves in the lake of fire where they will drink of that cup. So these vials and bowls are actually part of the seven seals upon this book, inasmuch as these seven plagues are the seventh trumpet, which in turn is the seventh seal. Until the last seal is opened, the book is sealed. And until the last trumpet sounds, the judgments of God are still of God are still working in our lives, and the seventh seal is still not opened. Since the seven trumpets of the seven angels are the seventh seal, this book is completely sealed from our vision until those seven angels sound in our lives. Now, since the seventh trumpet of the, God's judgment is the seventh last plagues, which fill up the wrath of God, we're under that yet unfilled up wrath until the mystery of God should be finished in us, till the seven plagues of the seven angels have been fulfilled within our lives. Revelation 10.7, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he's declared to his servants the prophets. Revelation 15.1, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. This is great and marvelous. This isn't just another event in our lives. Seven angels having the seven plagues. Last plagues, for in them it's filled up the wrath of God. So Christ is not really in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is not an accomplished truth until this wrath of God is filled up in us. Verse 8. The temple of God, the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Who is the earth of verse 1? In the days when He shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, filling up the wrath of God, makes it abundantly clear that this is all a, speaking of an ongoing process, which is of judgment within the earth, which is us. And it all adds up to the fact that this book cannot be unsealed to be read or kept, heard, read, heard, or kept, which is our, our instructions as we enter into this, this revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 1, verse 3. And it can't be, we can't read here and keep until these seven plagues are fulfilled within our lives. Jeremiah twenty-two twenty-nine, 29, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Who is the earth? which is supposed to hear the word of the Lord. We don't have to guess. Verse 1, Blessed is he that reads, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep the things that are written there. For the time is at hand. 22.7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he, speaking of the earth, 
that hears the word of the Lord that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Verse 8, I, John, and you and me, Lord willing, saw these things and heard them. The earth heard these things. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down and worshipped before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then he said to me, See you do it not. I am your fellow servant of your brothers the prophets. The earth that hears these things, and of those them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he said to me, Seal not the sayings of this book, of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. The time is at hand that the mystery of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, should be finished in the earth within each of us. That's why this prophecy is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is all about the revelation of Jesus Christ within his elect. That's its meaning. And those who want to see something uh, that has nothing to do with anything but the end of the age are going to miss it all. They're going to miss it all. They won't get to read here and keep the things written in there in this book. And therefore, they're going to miss being the kings and priests that are promised to those who do read here and keep the things that are written there. This book is all about the revelation of Jesus Christ within his elect. That's why we're admonished in the third verse. Keep the things written therein for the time is at hand. Alright, let's read verse 1 of chapter 16. I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, pour out your vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Since we're the earth, to whom Christ has been sent by the Father, and since we're also the temple, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, (coughs) it's obvious that this great voice from within the temple is Christ and His words speaking to us from within us. It's of utmost importance that we notice that these seven last plagues are poured out at the behest of this great voice which emanates out of the temple which we are. What is what this tells us is that God really does do all that he does through Christ, whom he, the Father, has sent to do his will on this earth, which we are. Since this voice comes out of the temple, and we in Christ are also the temple, it follows that we are sent by Christ to do all that Christ does. What that means is that we are called to live the life he lived. That's exactly what Christ has told us. Just as his Father operates all through him, he also operates all through his anointed. His anointed ones are the ones he sent. The sent ones. Through his Christ. His anointed. John 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now, then first, Second Corinthians 1, verse 21. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed the word there is creo the same root that the word Christ comes from the name Christ the title actually is a title he that establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God so let's read it in the Greek uh, sticking in the Greek for the word Christ now he which is establishes us with you in Christo and has creoed us is God. That's what it actually says there. 
Here is First John four seventeen. Here is our love made perfect, that we may be have boldness in the day of judgment, which is what this study of chapter fifteen and sixteen is all about. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. What does that mean? God sent Christ for one purpose, and that purpose was to save the world, not to condemn the world to everlasting torment or everlasting death. John 3, 17, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. First Timothy 4, 10, Therefore we have both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially, but not exclusively, of those that believe. And He's the propitiation, First John 2, 2, He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, not for the believers only, especially for them, but not for them only, but also, each in his own order, 1 Corinthians 15.23 For the sins of the whole world. Now, who are these seven angels? Well, we've discussed this before. We need to put what we see here with what we said earlier to see for certain of those uh, to know for certain who who these seven angels symbolize. I mean, there's going to be added information here and that's, that's what we're going to cover. That these seven angels are God's own physical servants in this age is not to be doubted because we're twice told they are those who are admonished at the beginning of the book to keep the things written there. Revelation 17.1 says, There came to me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials. So now we're going to learn something about these angels that came out of the temple. Clothed in linen, having golden girdles. And he talked with me, saying to me, Come here, I'm going to show you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Now that's 17.1. Now look at 20.21 verse 9. There came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come here, I'll show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. So these seven angels show us both the judgment of the harlot and the judgment, and they they show us the bride, the Lamb's wife. It's we're twice told that these are the seven angels who come out of the temple have the seven vials showing us the, the, the bride's wife and the judgment of the harlot but where are we told that these seven angels are those who are told in chapter 1 verse 3 to keep the things written there well here it is right here we're going we're to read it here's where the symbolism of these seven angels revealed to us is revealed to us. Notice who the angel who showed John these things tells John he symbolizes. Right out of his own mouth. Revelation 19.10 I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, See you do it not. I'm your fellow servant. I am of your brothers. I am of those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do you have the spirit of prophecy? Do you want to share what you have with others? Then you're this angel, these angels. I said that, pointed that out years ago, 2004 or 5 in Nashville, Tennessee, and someone went back to the, uh, the forum and uh, said that I had claimed that I was those angels. Well, what I'm saying is you are these angels. I pray I am these angels also. I am your fellow servant and of your brothers that have the testimony of Jesus. These seven angels are you and me, if indeed we have the testimony of Jesus. This is the same amazing revelation repeated in the 22nd chapter of Revelation. 
verse 7, 8, and 9. Christ says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Which sayings of the prophecy? The sayings of the prophecy of the book. Don't go cutting it up and saying, all oh, except for this. Live by every word. All things are yours. Uh, verse 8, John, uh, and, and I, John, saw these things and heard them. He heard them. And when he had heard and seen, when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And he said to me, See, you do it not. I am your fellow servant. I am your brother's of your brothers the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. There it is. There it is. Chapter 1 verse 3 Blessed is he that keeps the things written therein. And he said to me Seal not the sayings of this prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Now which angel is this angel? Here it is again. Here is the angel which showed these things to John. 17.1 There came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying to me, Come here, I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot that sits upon many waters. And in verse 21, verse 9, There came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the plagues and talked with me, saying, Come here, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So the seven angels are our fellow servants, our brothers who have the testimony of Jesus Christ, and them them which keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. The seven angels are you and me and John. So the same angels that have the seven plagues are also showing us who is the great harlot that sits upon many waters, as well as showing us the bride, the lamb's wife. But the mystery of God, which he has declared to his servants, is not finished, and no man is given to enter into Christ our temple till the seven plagues of these seven angels have been fulfilled. In the life of every man who is given to enter into Christ. With Christ being in him. It's both. It can't just be one. you know, Because in him we live and, meet, live and move and have our being. Was stated to pagan Athenians in, on the Acropolis at Athens. So it's being in him but having him in us also. Fulfilling the mystery which he has declared to his servants the prophets. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, John 2.19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple. Talking about himself. Called himself a temple. And in three days I will raise it up. Revelation 10.7, In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. What is this? The greatest mystery of all time. Well, we've, we've, we've seen that. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A lot of people read that verse. I've, I've read it since I was a child and had no idea that Christ in me had anything at all to do with these seven plagues of these seven angels. I thought I was going to be raptured out of that. Kept away from it. So I didn't know who Christ, what Christ in me really meant at all, did I? John 14, 20. In that day, the day of the voice, the days of the voice of the seventh angel, you shall know that I am in my Father. You're in me and I'm in you. 
what this tells us is we're in Christ as all things are in Him. Acts 14.22, that's where He's on the Acropolis. But Christ is not really in us till the seven plagues of these seven angels is fulfilled in our lives. There it is again. Revelation 15.8. Smoke of the smoke from the glory of God filled the temple and no man was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues are fulfilled in us. So now let's examine what begins to happen in the days of the seventh angel. which begins to set, When he begins to sound his trumpet. Let's examine what must be done before the mystery of God has been declared by his uh, prophets can be finished in us. Revelation 10.7 In the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God shall be finished as he declared to the servants of prophet. The beginning of the sounding of the seventh angel is these seven vials which fill up the wrath of God. These are the worst trials of our life. That is as the first Adam. And they're poured out upon all of the ungodliness and unrighteousness that's within each of us. This is what's required to separate us from all of our heart's idols and all the pulls of the flesh which until this point have the dominion over the throne of our hearts we're just simply not willing to be that different from the rest of the world we may want to be good people we may want to do what's right but we're not going to be that different and that's why we're told in chapter 15 which is dedicated solely to the introduction of these seven angels with these seven vials that the introduction of these angels with their vials is a great and marvelous event in our lives. Verse 1, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. This is 15.1. Seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And now, let's begin. Let's, let's read verse 2. Revelation 16. And the first went and poured out his vial. This is the first first angel pouring out his vial upon the earth and they fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image at this point we'll begin to demonstrate that this entire revelation now right right here is our we're going to begin to demonstrate something here this entire revelation of Jesus Christ is to primarily and spiritually be understood only in its is, was, and will be nature. If you think of this dispensationally, you're going to miss it all. If you think of it as a an event that is taking place in your life, then you just might get it and be able to understand what's being said. It's something that happens within our lives. Here we're finally arriving at the days of the seventh angel when he begins to sound his trumpet, which we've been actually reading about ever since chapter 10, verse 7. Which trumpet is these seven last plagues which fill up the wrath of God? What does this tell us about these seven seals that are upon this prophecy of our walk? What does this tell us about the seven angels with seven trumpets of the things that we're about to keep? That's what these trumpets are of the things written in the book words of this prophecy. Let's go back and notice just a few verses in the sixth seal. This is back in chapter 6, which will help us to open our eyes to see what this entire revelation of Jesus Christ within us is all about. The whole book is about this one subject. 
I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. Now, you know, we've had the first five seals, the four horsemen, the souls under the altar. Each each horseman was a, was a seal. The fifth was the souls under the altar, those who were beheaded for Christ. You know, the first horse is a white horse, the second horse is a red horse, the third one is a... a, a black horse and the fourth one is a green horse. We, we've been over all that. It's all judgment. But listen to what it says here in the sixth seal. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as, became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of the heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Kind of sounds like the lead up to chapters 15 and 16, doesn't it? And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains. What is the earth? We have been over that so many times. Every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us these are in the earth these things are all in the earth fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb same subject throughout this book for the great day of his wrath is come and who will be able to stand now this is chapter 6 we're going to shift gears in chapter 7 and have nothing to do with the wrath of God. No, the, the 144,000 are going to be mentioned there. But it still has to do with, and comes out of, they, they come out of this wrath of God. So the sixth seal is the great day of his wrath. So all these trumpets and, and plagues are within this sixth seal. If we take... Because the seventh seal is the seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet is the seven gods. If we take the time to look at the four horsemen of the four seals upon this revelation of Jesus Christ with, within us, along with the souls under the altar who were beheaded for the word of their testimony, and who compromised the fifth seal, we see that they are nothing less than the judgments of God, which lead to the kings of the earth, the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man within us to say to the mountains and rocks within us, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath is come and who will be able to stand? In other words, there's no possible way that the events of these seven seals were ever intended to be thought of as being anything other than the judgments of the great day of God's wrath upon our first Adam. The judgments of these seven seals, I'm talking about the seals, not the trumpets or the vials, are neither before or after any of the events we find uh, and are to keep, which are opened up and revealed in the reading and hearing and keeping of the seven trumpets or the seven of the seven angels. Those seven trumpets as a whole are the seventh seal that is upon this book. Without the opening of the seventh seal, we can't read here or keep the things written therein. So it's not possible to open the seventh seal without reading, hearing, and keeping the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Stated another way, we can't, cannot, as all Orthodox Christians want us to believe, say that some men can enter into the temple of God in heaven without keeping the seventh trump with all of its plagues, which implies, which simply uh, must be.
fill up the wrath of God in our stubborn and rebellious first man, Adam, if we hope to stand on the sea of glass mingled with fire or enter into the temple of God in heaven. Now let's take the time to see just how interconnected all the seals, trumpets, and vials of God's wrath are. To make this clear, I'm going to demonstrate both the first trumpet and the first vial side by side. And uh, I'll comment upon the fact that the, that the work being accomplished in each is being accomplished upon the exact same object. And that object in every trumpet and in every vial or bowl, which is what the word vial means, while described in each time in different forms, seven different forms, is all really just different symbols of what God is doing within us to conform us to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, seven different statements of, of different things, but all within us. Now here are the first trumpet and the first vial, just side by side. The first angel sounded, this is the trumpet in Revelation 8, verse 7. First trumpet. First angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees was burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Now, notice what is the object of the pouring out of the first vial. Look at this. Now, the, the, remember the this, the fire and the mingled with blood and all was cast on the earth. And the, the first went and poured his vial upon the earth. And there, this is the vial now. The first went and poured his vial upon the earth. There it is. Same thing. And it fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So, the first trumpet had hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast on the earth. The first vial is poured out upon the earth. Now, notice the object in the vial and the plagues of God's wrath. The, the, the trumpets and the plagues are both the earth, which, of course, is us. Both are simultaneously working to conform us to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. The trees and the grass of the first trumpet are simply a less severe trial than the noisome and grievous sore upon men within us, which had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image in the vial. Both the wrath of God and his judgments are working in us for that one and same end. Now let's look at the second trumpet and the second vial and see if they might have something in common. Let's look at the trumpet first, verse 8 of chapter 8. The second angel sounded his trumpet and there was a great mountain burning with fire and it was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures that were in the sea and had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed now let's look at the second vial and see if it has anything to do with the sea and lo and behold the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea and it became as the blood of a dead man and every living soul in the sea died in the sea so it wasn't a third, it was every living soul. It's just more severe. Alright, the mention of the third part in the first and second trumpets tells all with eyes to see that these words are speaking of the process of judgment within us. In the first trumpet and vial, <clears throat> that judgment is upon our earth. In the second trumpet and vial, it's upon the sea as the symbol of the body of our flesh out of which comes the blood of a dead man which man is called creatures in the sea. In the first trumpet, the second trumpet. 
first and second trumpet. The fact that the object of both the trumpets and the vials are exactly the same, corresponding to their number, is not a coincidence. We'll see that this holds true for all the seven trumpets and the seven vials. What does it mean? It means that the seven seals, trumpets, and vials are one and all expressions of God's wrath upon the hard-hearted, stubborn beast we are. As, a, as the first Adam. What it means is that they are all essential prerequisites to being able to finish the mystery of God within us. To stand on the sea of glass. To enter into the temple of God in heaven. Okay, let's, let's summarize it here. What we've learned in this study is that the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven plagues are all one single is, was, and will be work of God's judgment upon our old man who is the first Adam. Who's also the earth with its seas and fountains of waters within us. We've seen that the earth is the scripture that symbolizes Adam and all who are in him. Made of the dust, you know. We've seen that we that it is we as God's elect who are who as the earth, including the sea and the fountains of waters that are part of the earth, are those upon whom all these last plagues are poured before we can enter into the temple of God in heaven. We've seen that the great voice out of the temple is Christ in us, preparing our hearts through his fiery judgments to take up his permanent residency as he is destroying our old man of sin with the brightness of his coming. We've been over that in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 8. We've seen that Christ has sent us, just as he sent his father, as his father sent him, to be the saviors of this world by living his life within us and by suffering as he suffered. As such, we've seen that we are these seven angels who pour out these seven plagues upon the, at the behest of Christ, who is doing his judging of us within us. 1 Corinthians 11:31 and 32. If we would judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. But when we're judged, when we're judged, and that's what these seals trumpets and vials are, are. They are God's judgment upon us. We're told so. We read it in chapter 14. We've read it several times. When we're judged, we're chastened of the Lord that we should not be <coughs> condemned with the world. Condemned to the last resurrection, the second resurrection, the lake of fire, which is just another judgment, a white throne judgment. We've seen that these seven angels reveal to us both the judgment of the great harlot within us as well as the, showing us the bride, the lamb's wife. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to see more of this is, was, and will be character. These words continue to be demonstrated as we witness the striking correlation between the seven trumpets and the seven plagues of the seven angels. Here are the next two plagues. Revelation 16.4 And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains and waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say. Look at that. The third angel pours his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. Now, what do you bet me that if we go back to the trumpets, they have to do with the rivers and fountains of waters? I mean, yeah, the trumpets. And I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be. There it is, is, was, and will be. Because you have judged us. See, there it is again. Judgment. It's judgment. This is judgment. If we would judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened. So those who don't want to go through these vials don't want to be judged. 
Verse 6, For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another voice, I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, the fourth angel, verse 8, The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire, with fire, and men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Now I'll just bet you that when we do get around to looking at the fourth trumpet, it too will have something to do with the sun. But we'll save that for next week. 